When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Burning Question series by Fantasy Football Scout. In this series, Pross and I, Sonaldo, talk about the key hot topics for the week. Um, with the round of 16 now over and the quarterfinals of the World Cup ready to go, um, we're making an early entrance back into FPL. We still have about two or three weeks left, but Pross, it's good to see you and good to be back with you. Good to see you as well, man. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, we had a nice break and uh, the break is coming to an end. So we're going to gradually, you know, what what you call uh, just just touching our toes in the water and uh, and see what's what's about. We're not going to go into a lot of detail, but do our burning style question, uh, burning question style preview of what what is coming up uh, in the first five or six game weeks. Uh, essentially, we've got three episodes before the Game Week 17 return. So slowly, slowly, we'll get into it. We won't do any you know, team reveals or, or get into it too much today. Um, but on the agenda, we'll talk about the double game weeks. We'll sort of look at the season stats for um, Game Weeks 1 through 16 compared to last season stats for teams um, for both XG and XGC. And then we'll close within probably 30 minutes. So that's kind of what we're aiming to do today. Um, but first and foremost, Pras, how how has the World Cup ex- experience been for you so far? Good, man. Really enjoyed it. I mean, we're not going to get into the backdrop of things, which is obviously something that people need to be conscious about. But I think as as an event, as a footballing event, it's been very, very good. And I think part of it has been the fact that it's mid-season. Um, maybe the weather is helping. So it's not too warm because they're playing late in the night. Uh, so I think that combination of those things i think it's been very very good football i think there've been more goals scored already than france 98 which was the previous or the russia world cup which was the previous so they're going to beat the record for number of goals it's been entertaining yeah very entertaining um you know south korea has done really well i'm so proud of our boys but uh, unfortunately brazil was too big of a task um, um and colossal giant to face so looking forward to to the quarterfinals i know a lot of england fans are excited for the french matchup um we'll see how that goes um but yeah a lot lots of upsets and i think the you're playing the world cup fantasy game too right i'm playing but uh, i don't even know my rank i don't know my points but i play i play i do my transfers it just makes it a little bit of fun you know like yeah. uh you 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 follow each game with a little bit of different incentive otherwise i would just follow the england games and 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 the bigger matches Mm. And otherwise not watch them. But I've ended up watching a lot with more working from home and, you know, more interest in a lot of games. So, yeah. But anyway, at this point, at this point of the competition, I think it's not about fantasy. The games are so high pressure. Yeah. And the yeah. big teams are playing each other. So, yeah, I think that's taken a bit of a backseat. Cool. Okay, let's get into it. Um, I already see two comments that are very, um, very interesting. Graham is already... You know, asking the big questions, I think, you know, we might touch on it today, but we'll get there within the next three episodes. Um, Francis, um, to answer your question, yes, we get another wild card after the unlimited transfer period. So after game week 17, you can um, use your second wild card whenever you want or third wild card, if you want to call it that. Um, You know, just right off the bat, for those that may not be aware, we have a double game week announced in 19 and double game week announced in 23. 
there's a double game week in 20 that's semi-announced, I would say, because, um, you know, if if the FA Cup doesn't require a third round replay, then that double game week will go ahead. But if there's a tie, for example, I think Tottenham play Portsmouth and um, I believe City play Chelsea, if that's correct. Um, so, for example, that that's uh, likely to maybe not end in a winner or draw, so it could end in a tie, which means that um, that double game week won't happen in game week 20. Um, you know, right off the bat, it's not the greatest looking double game weeks, um, but the, there's the flip side to that where um, the tougher the fixtures, the more chances of your, your players playing both games. And there's a very tight period between game week 17 to 19, as we know, Boxing Day. Um, so we'll kind of break that in, break into that uh, a little bit. But um, first of all, right off the bat, anything you want to say in the double game weeks or the general helicopter view of the second part of the season? You're muted, Pross. Yep, let's do it. Sorry. So what I would say is, firstly, let's look at game week 19 first, which is the first double that has been announced. So we know that Chelsea will will, will play Man City, will play Fulham, and we know Fulham will play Leicester away and Chelsea at home. Now, the quirkiness with this double is that there is an FA Cup round three, which happens in the middle, which you mentioned. So the problem here is, A, you will be going into game week 19 not knowing you'll have to basically predict the lineup for a Graham Porter lineup three three games after because they'll have to play first Man City, then they'll play Man City again in the FA Cup, and then they'll play Fulham. So to predict that makes it a little bit more challenging. And anyway, it's not the greatest double when one of your matches is against Man City. So that's the first thing about game week 19. You, there will be a little bit of planning involved and seeing where Graham Porter is landing with the Chelsea lineup, how fit is Reese James, Chilwell, Kepa, all of that we will come to. Then we go to game week 20. So as you rightly mentioned, we will not know whether that game week is a double even after the game week 19 deadline because the FA Cup match, the round three match, happens after the 19 deadline, as I just mentioned. So therefore, you're sitting on game week 19 deadline. You're thinking, okay, game week 20, Spurs might have a double. Maybe I should get Harry Kane, but they may not. Mm. And you will only know that by game week 20. So the only way to plan that is to basically try to take two free transfers going into game week 20. And if the double happens, then you can plan for it. Maybe get a Kulusevsky. Or you could just say, look, I want a Kane or a Kulusevsky from the beginning anyway. If, it, if there's no double, I don't care. So that's something to keep in mind that that double may or may not happen. It doesn't impact Man City because you probably want the Man City players anyway. But maybe, and I'm going to make a case later when we get to 17, 18, 19, and we'll go into a day-by-day, which we try to do when there's a double, or there's fixtures squeezed in like we have between 17 and 19, we'll try to make a case for certain city assets over others. So that's on game week 20. And then you get to game week 21, which is your... um, I think you can speak a little closer, by the way. I I didn't want to cut you off. Okay, game week 23. So Game Week 23 is the other double. So that one has been announced. And that one is Man City. They play Aston Villa at home and Arsenal away. And Arsenal play Brentford at home and Man City at home. So what that what that means is, in terms of teams, we will be targeting these teams anyway. So I don't think that matters too much. But my question to you here was, are you thinking there's two Man City doubles coming up? Has the thought of a triple captain come to your mind? And I want to discuss some pros and cons for it very early on. Uh, right off the bat, yeah, I think so. I think uh, for for sure, um, because for example, in game week twenty, if they do have a double, it's United and and Spurs, and then you know Villa, Arsenal, which is probably the better double to to triple captain on. 
Um, and I, I know that there's a um, sort of, this is before the Champions League's returns. I think there's another game after this, after the Arsenal game. I believe they play Forest and then it's the Champions League. So Champions League doesn't become a factor there. Um, they're still very tight in the race, right? So if you can think sort of maybe let's look beyond Game Week 30 when the big doubles are announced and, and City possibly have a, a very good double then, maybe they've already you know, made the gap between Arsenal by then, right? Because Arsenal now come into the second part of the season without Jesus. I don't know how much that means. They might do really well. They might continue to do well, or they might really struggle without their, you know, key attacking player in there, right? So um, it, it's kind of a risk-free move if you decide to triple captain him in 23, Holland, I'm, I'm speaking of, I think. Versus- I mean, the risk is that you get less points. I mean, yes, uh, yes. And also Arsenal is not the greatest fixture because we'll get into the, you know, sort of season stats where, you know, they've looked really good defensively, right? So it's not it's not ideal, but I, I'm not against it. Is there a possibility of a triple captain, triple game week coming up as well for City? Not really, not really. I mean, because this is the reason to avoid it. They have scheduled this game, which is subject to postponement, which is the the game week twenty one double. So that's why they've done it because City's obviously fixture pileup is more expected. By the way, Man United has the biggest fixture pileup, mm-hmm. assuming they get to the league. Uh, you know the the Europa League final, the FA Cup final, the Carabao Cup final. They will have the bigger f- fixture congestion. And in fact, a lot of people were surprised that they didn't put Man United leads as well in game week twenty one. So, but that's that's a different story. So let me give my two cents on triple captain. We will talk about it a lot. Yeah. All I would say is. If you have a fit Haaland leading up to a double game week, I think you go for it because you may not have a fit Haaland leading up to another double game week, which is in the future. Then the other point is that you made, if you have a Haaland who's playing tougher teams, you have a Haaland who will probably start both matches and play even 80-90 minutes in both matches. If you have a double game week where City have not won the league, as you mentioned, or you know the, the race isn't as close, and look, I'm not sort of dishing Arsenal, they're five points ahead. But look, we, most bookies expect City to be ahead. So if leading into game week 36, 37, when you have the doubles, that happens, then yeah, um, maybe maybe the, he only plays one of the games and Champions League semi-final becomes a priority. And last point is when you get to that big double and City have two easy games, it could also be the best double for bench boost. Mm-hmm. You don't know that. So my point is, if you find, I think people need to be open-minded. Don't look at fixtures. You expect Man City to win both games anyway. And if you expect Haaland to play both games, he's looking fit in form and you think he's going to get the minutes, I think at this point, the way he's playing, you go for the triple captain. Why, why does, when, why when does uh, that affect the bench boost? No, so you can only play one chip, right? So even mm-hmm. if in game week 36, Man City have two easy games, mm-hmm. you you wouldn't want to triple cap use the triple captainship because that's also the best week for the bench boost chip. Got you, got you. Okay. Yeah. So that's basically things that people need to think about. So don't fixate on the fixtures. Look at opportunity. Be opportunistic. You don't need to plan for triple captaincy. That was my first thought that came to my mind. So again, very early, but this is what we do here at Burning Questions. We talk about the future and keep that in the back of your mind. So let's go to the day by day. One second. And while you're doing that, I should also tell people. So now we know Game Week 23 is a double, a confirmed double for Man City. Game Week 25, which is only two game weeks after, is expected to be a blank for Man City. Well, the expectation is that Man City will make the League Cup final and the League Cup final happens in Game Week 25. So that's also something people need to keep in mind that if you're overloaded on Man City, you probably need to think about an exit route subject to Man City's progress in the Carabao Cup final. All of it very late in the progress, but everyone needs to keep that in mind. 
Got it. All right, day by day. So Lego Mane was busy. I didn't want to bother him over Christmas. So we we created one ourselves. Um, and this is basically what happens as we come out, come out of this break. And we've picked eight teams here. And these are, if you look at most drafts, Eight, these are the eight teams that will focus maybe 12, 13 players of most teams. So let's focus on these eight teams for now. And you see here that Man City are the team that will actually start the last. So they play Leeds on the 28th. Then they only have a two-day gap. And then they play Everton at home. And then they have a four-day gap. And then they play Chelsea away. So immediately this tells me that there's going to be mass rotation in the Everton home game. Because it's an easy-ish home, home game it's only two days. It's the it's the quirky Wednesday Saturday uh, difference which we always talk about, which managers hate. So you can already see while people are talking about you know the likes of Saka, Foden's, they should be right in it because they're 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 training. They you know they're they will not miss a lot of games and they will start right away. I agree. I think a lot of players will start right away. But what might mean is they may be prone to more rotation than others, like a Kulusevski, for example, or a Haaland or a Salah or a Robertson, who've basically been resting for this this month and a half. So these are things to think about as you talk about teams. So if you look at Man City, I think the rotation is, the Everton game is rife for rotation. Look at Arsenal. So they play West Ham on Boxing Day. Then they play Brighton away after four days. So there's a nice little break. So I don't expect much for Brighton away. But then Newcastle at home, which is after two days. Now, they will not rotate against Newcastle because Newcastle are now Champions League contenders. Mm. So again here, I'd expect that Brighton away, even though it's a tough fixture, it may see some rotation. Now, Arsenal haven't been known to rotate a lot. Arteta likes his team. But I'm talking of likes of Zinchenko's and Tierney's or, um, you know, if if people are going for Inketia, Maybe Inketia doesn't get both of those games. So it's things like that that people need to keep in mind that these games come thick and fast. Liverpool play Aston Villa away on the 26th of January. And then they play... Leicester at home on Friday, which is 30th of December. So there's a decent break because it's a Monday, Friday. And then there's another Monday. So Friday to Monday, that's the killer, Leicester and Brentford. So you would expect a little bit of rotation. If you ever were, were to see a Robertson drop for a Simicast, this would be the game. If Elliot wanted a game, this would be the game. If you're looking for Darwin Nunes, I would be worried between this Leicester and Brentford game. These are things that people need to think about. Now, Liverpool play first both on the 30th deadline, so Game Week 18 and Game Week 19. On Game Week 18, actually, first West Ham play, but Liverpool is only 15 minutes after that. So they will be the early kickoffs. Remember the trauma we all faced with the early uh, lineup leaks. We probably may get something. So you could punt on a Nunes more firmly than, let's say, a Nketiah, if you were to look at rotation in isolation. Then we go to Chelsea. Chelsea is very interesting, actually. Chelsea have the first game, Bournemouth at home. Then they have a nice break of four days. So they play on the first, New Year's Day, Forest away, and then another three-day break, and then they play Man City. So actually, Chelsea, if Potter was another human being who didn't rotate as much, <laughs> they are, they're actually a good team because yep, they will get yep. decent amount of rest. But the fact of the matter is, you know Potter, he will continue to do what Potter does. So you may not be able to predict much anyway, but it makes me feel like Chelsea is a team to think about a little bit more because maybe rotation will not be as bad for the likes of James or... Mount or people like that. Yeah, and Reese is uh, back in training, by the way, guys. He's fully back in training. And I'm hearing Chilwell is as well, but we've not seen any pictures. I don't know if you have. Okay. 
So then, okay, then quickly Spurs, they play Brentford man, uh, on the 26th. Then they have a nice break. They actually have a five-day break. Then they play Villa at home, but they have only two days again and they play Crystal Palace away. So I, for me, the rotation comes against Crystal Palace or Aston Villa at home. And I'm again thinking of the people like Richarlison, Kulusevskis, uh, maybe a Perisic, the wingbacks. Then Man United have Nottingham Forest. The, Man United will be popular on, on people's wildcard. Uh, they f- play Forest, Bournemouth and Wolves as their first three games. But between Wolves and Bournemouth, again, there's only two days gap. Newcastle have a nice uh, gap between Leicester and Leeds in game week 17 and 18. Again, a two-day gap, same as Fulham. I've put Fulham in here because they have the double. So people may look at Andreas Pereira and Mitrovic. But frankly, both those guys will be nailed anyway. So that's the lay of the land on a day-by-day basis. Let's think about teams right now, Sonaldo. Let's not talk about players. What are your thoughts coming from these yep, sort of yep. day-by-day analysis? No, it's good. Uh, it's good that um, you know you made uh, this chart uh, instead of uh, like like Omane. But I want to dive into it a little bit, especially I think the United Newcastle Fulham is very straightforward, um, and so with Spurs. If you look at the red kind of red break between the two games uh, of eighteen and nineteen. They're all about the same. I know you say it's like two days, but it's actually about three days and a couple of hours between the two games. So technically, yeah. they have a little bit of time. I think it'll be key to look into the home and away fixtures between this period. Uh, for example, if you have away, home, away versus home, away, home, re- regardless, you're traveling a lot and there's like three days between the games. So it's not much time to recover. And I think rotation will be heavily a factor as long as the games are somewhat manageable as in your opposition isn't like, you know, Chelsea versus City the next game, right? So if you look at City, they have the EFL round of 16 uh, versus Liverpool on this 22nd. So I think the World Cup final is around the 18th or 19th from my understanding. And then they get right into it on the 22nd for City um, and they play Liverpool. So Liverpool, same thing on the 22nd, they play in the EFL round of 16. And then, right. and then City have six days rest before the Leeds tie. But the Leeds to Everton, as you mentioned, Pros, is only two days and 19 hours. This is from the start of the first game and start of game week 18 and the start of game week 19. Um, so, you know, not a lot of time. And then they also have to travel because I believe it's away and then home. Um, so that's that's a big concern of mine. That makes me question the likes of even Cancelo, because if he goes deep into the tournament... I'm sure he'll continue to start, and I'm sure they have they have a lot of skin in the game in terms of both the Premier League as well as, was, as well as the Champions League. So I doubt they get benched, but still, it makes Foden a very questionable um, asset. It makes you know it makes me wonder if KDB and and Holland are much more locked because of this um, situation. If you look at Arsenal, uh, they have the World Cup final and then a, a huge break about eight days before the West Ham game. So. Um, and about three days between the Brighton and New- Newcastle game. So our Arsenal are relatively safe picks in terms of the lay of the land, right? Versus the other... And they will not rotate. I mean, they will because not rotate. they yeah. want to go for the league. I mean, that's their priority. Yeah, and they've lost Jesus, but that's a different discussion. Yep. And the last one I want to make is, I think the tricky one is Liverpool. I think Liverpool, I was so... I had a podcast with um, Sam on Monday and I was, you know, hyping up Robbo. And then I was I was looking at this chart and realizing that even Robertson has a chance of getting benched because they play City on the 22nd of EFL Cup, then just three days and 21 hours, then just three days, exactly three days between Villa and Leicester, and then just two days and 21 hours between, you know, Leicester and Brentford. And it goes away, away, home, away. So there are a lot of away traveling between the four games. 
Um, sure. And so it's 3.5 days, three days, and 2.75 days between the three game week 17 through 19. So uh, it makes me question, you know, um, I mean, I think Robbo is okay. Robbo is okay. okay. I, I know I talked mm-hmm. about Simikas, but the guy has been, he was immense going into the break. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he did so well showed that they needed him. And Simikas is a good deputy, but that's what he is. He's a deputy. So they will be, look, uh, Klopp never takes Carabao Cup seriously. So he'll mm-hmm. probably have Simikas play there. Or maybe Robertson starts because they look at it more as a friendly game. And he gets like 45 minutes or 60 minutes or something. And then we have to remember, after game week 19 is the FA Cup. So that's the Simicas game. So again, we're not trying to get into each players, but I hear you. When we look at this block, you said something very important. We have to look at home and away games. So Man United have two home games in this block, which is Forest at home, Bournemouth at home. Beautiful. Arsenal have two home games, West Ham at home, Newcastle at home. Newcastle is tough. West Ham is tough. Brighton away is tough, but I don't expect rotation. Man City will do what Man City does, but they have two away games. Leeds away and Chelsea away. Um, Spurs as well. They have two away games, Brentford and Palace. But the good thing is both their away games are in London. So it's mm. not a lot. So that makes a big difference as well in short turnarounds, how far your away game is. Uh, Newcastle similar. They have two away games, Leicester away, not that much of travel, decent. Then Arsenal, which will be a lot of travel. And then they have Leeds at home. So these are things to keep in mind. But I think Newcastle, I don't expect a lot of rotation. Like you said, Arsenal, not a lot of rotation. Chelsea, lots. Liverpool, semi. I can see the forward spot in the left forward. The Diaz, Jota, Nunes, Firmino, those guys sort of rotating a bit. But apart from that, I think uh, Liverpool haven't got a lot of players left in the World Cup, by the way. And those that are left mm-hmm. are not starters apart from Henderson um, and Alisson. Yeah. So I think Liverpool should have a strong start, but they they also have a tough start. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, you know, Robertson also had a season where he played a lot. And uh, I'm very interested to see because uh, Diaz also came back today um, in training. Pras, so yeah. we could, you know, Diaz becomes an option on the table as well. Um, so we'll see how we'll see, you know, we'll get into the player picks like probably by... Um, you know, the third episode before the return of Game Week 17. So. Yeah, I mean, we could even do it next week. I was thinking next week what we'll do is, because we would we will pod after the semi-final, okay. we will have a very good idea of players' minutes. So we'll do a minutes analysis of the players, who's played what, and then we'll start to get into who are the players we're thinking about. We're not going to do a deep dive until we get close to the deadline, which will be in two weeks. So guys, hold your questions, specific questions on Nunes versus Wilson versus Mitrovic versus Martial. We'll come to that. It's too early for that. Yep. Okay, we've got we're at the twenty second twenty second minute mark, so let's get to the XG chart. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, So we have here sort of the minutes minutes per XG for the first half of the season, this season, and then I think the entire of last season, correct? Yeah, correct. So obviously, you know, it's pretty straightforward, but if you want to begin, Pros, and kind of highlight what you see here. So, look, this is firstly for listeners, this is sorted by the current minutes per XG. And minutes per XG, in simple terms, is how many minutes it takes them a team to score a goal on average. So, 
or expected to score a goal on average. So Man City, if they're at 47, it means they should score two goals a game, almost. Arsenal, just under two goals and so on and so forth. So when you come down to Nottingham Forest, 93, that means they're scoring under one goal or expected to score under one goal per game. That's what you're seeing this season. And what we wanted to do is, unlike preseason, when we start game week one, we look at previous year's uh, data, previous season's data, and people say, look, so much has changed. It's a new season, new signings, everything is different. But I think this season, it's not so different because the transfer window hasn't happened. The teams are fundamentally still the same. Some manager changes happen. So Aston Villa could be different. Chelsea could be different. So we'll talk about those. But the idea of doing this is to understand, can we learn something from the whole season's data compared to the the data that we have for the first 16 game weeks? And we've looked at minutes per XG. Guys, if anybody shows you XG or XGI numbers without minutes, don't look at them because not everybody's played the same number of games. So it has to be on a minutes per basis. So on that, Man City remain number one. But look at the difference. They used to be 36.5 minutes per XG. They have had a delta of 11.2 and they're at 47.7. So they're number one. They continue to be number one. But I found it a little bit odd that we talk about the fact that Liverpool are less attacking or Liverpool is, are more blunt, which will be the case. We will come to Liverpool. But nobody's talking about the fact that Man City have been less productive. Yeah, Small samples and all that. But is it the case that Haaland is, because they've changed the way they're playing... Everything is going through Haaland. So Haaland has become this beast. But then I question, do you really want to triple up on their attack if their attack is basically, you know, 33% worse than last season? So no, what no, do you no, think, no. Man City? Anything that you've observed in Man City or is just a, a data anomaly and this will sort of come back to what the, the previous seasons were? The first thing I thought of when I saw the, you know, uh, Minas actually rise and get closer to Arsenal. Arsenal obviously, you know, maintaining a similar level of attacking output from just this chart but first thing i thought of was oh they must be playing differently right because even holland doesn't get as many touches per game as we're you know as we're well aware of you know he needs like five touches to get a hat trick right and so maybe i I was thinking instinctively that they're playing a different style they now have a focal point um so i'm not reading too much into it you can just see the games and see how attacking they are and uh you know how much of a threat the city are but I, I like the point you j- just made about how we sort of might be undervaluing Liverpool assets because of their drop off from last season. But relative to, you know, actually compared to Man City this season, it's not too bad, not too far off. So uh, interesting points yeah. there. So then Arsenal. Arsenal are actually similar. So they have, their attack is slightly improved, but it's not that they have massively fundamentally changed in terms of how we look at them as an attacking unit. So they were delivering 52.4 minutes per XG last season. And this season, they're at 50.1. And now if you factor in the fact that it'll be a Jesus-less Arsenal, you can look at it two ways. You can say last season, they didn't have Jesus and they put up these numbers. So Saka is still a good player. Martinelli is still a good pick if he's nailed, which he is. Or you can look at it and say, actually, they were at 50.1 and now they don't have Jesus. It'll be way worse. So then are they better than a Newcastle? If I wanted to pick an attacker, for example, or or a or a Spurs, so these are things that we can discuss as we go along. But Arsenal headline pretty similar in terms of its numbers. Liverpool, I think no one is surprised to see that last season their attacking numbers were thirty six point nine minutes per xg, which is equal, which is almost equal to Man City. That's how lethal they were last season. This season they're worse than Arsenal, so it's a still it's an attack, it's a good attack, but it's not even close to last year's attack as an attacking unit. Now they're trying to figure things out. I think. We are all the key to fantasy this season. The second half of the season is who will back Liverpool when things click. 
or who will be the one left standing backing Liverpool if things don't click. That will be the thing that no data can tell you. That is just something that happens as the team sort of shapes up. Yeah, I just want to say, first thing on Arsenal is, um, I was very surprised that their XG is similar from last season to this season, but they've become just an elite, you know, number one team in the league right now. Uh, and and the reason being is their defense, as we'll get to. Um, but the Liverpool one's interesting, right? Because um, the Mane effect, right? Mane was such a huge part of their attack. And even the Senegal um, games I watched, missing him was, was very, very unfortunate, right? And the fact that this XG chart speaks of how we viewed Liverpool this part of the season from game week one to 16, they really, really struggled uh, off the bat um, as start of the season. So I think it's very, um, I wouldn't delve too much into, you know, it's almost like two seasons because we have this World Cup in between. And as you mentioned, when do we get on them when they click? I'm, I'm a little bit afraid that they might ju- they might not click straight off the bat when we return in game week 17. So that is the kind of word of caution I want to put out there. But there's always that incline inclining like factor that you want to believe they're going to be Liverpool of last season of, of the last five season and and they can get it back straight away regardless of no Mane or yes Mane. Um, so that's where I'm at, I'm at with Liverpool. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, if we're not doing season reviews or first game week 16 reviews, they were two errors. Or two things that went against for me, I overbacked Liverpool, and one I overbacked Liverpool in the in the captaincy in game week uh, nine, where where I captain Salah instead of Haaland. Obviously, the outcome was very very inflated, but that's what it was. And the second one was backing Trent. Hmm. Basically, I had Trent instead of a third striker for the whole period when Tony scored, Wilson scored, everybody you know was scoring, and I kept backing Trent to get clean sheets or attacking returns. None of it happened. So those were the two fundamental reasons. And I feel people will continue to do that. And I'm, I don't think it's a mistake. At some point, Liverpool will click. Now, when you look at this chart and you look at the fact that Liverpool are struggling and when you look at defensive name, numbers, it, it is even more shocking. Hmm. If you think Liverpool are finishing 6th or 7th or 8th, fine. Don't back Liverpool. But if you believe that Liverpool will make a push for Champions League and they will, they will come back to be a team that you can back in fantasy or forget fantasy, even in the Premier League, where do you think Liverpool finishes at the end of the season? I still think they finish top six. Whether they make top four or not depends on how Arsenal does, Newcastle does, Spurs do, Man United do. But I think I would still back them easily for a top six. So therefore, at some point, things need to click. Fair points, fair points. So anyway, minutes, let's go quickly. Yeah. yeah, let's go quickly. So then, then you have Newcastle. Massive improvement from 80.1 to 57.5. So almost you're saying instead of scoring one goal per game, they're scoring one and a half per goal per game. Whether that's the Almiron effect, Eddie Howe effect, uh, Bruno Gamarish effect, all of those things, that's what it is. Newcastle are an attack. It is a solid attack. So if you're getting a nailed starter for 5.8 million, which is Almiron, or cheaper if you bought him earlier, or a Wilson who's fit, or an Isak if he's back, amazing. I think that's as good as an Arsenal pick at, in terms of an attacker. So we need to keep reminding ourselves, this is not... The two seasons old Newcastle, which were getting relegated, and they bought Chris Wood, yeah. so that's that's on Newcastle. Spurs, pretty much same. Nothing to say on Spurs. They continue to be the fifth, sixth best attack, but because their attacking points are focused towards Kane, Kane becomes a good pick. But they're not the best attack, but still Kane makes sense in that context. Two more surprising results. One is Man United. Man United are worse this season for their attack than last season. Again, people think about. 
Ten Hag has done great things and he has. But I think what he has done is made them more solid and made them a little bit more lethal. But that doesn't mean that they're creating a lot of chances. Now, if you look at open play XG, we haven't shown that here. They're, they're actually top four, top five. It's more that they're not creating any chances from set pieces, which has basically been lacking from the team. So that's on Man United. And then the last one I wanted to talk about is Chelsea. Chelsea has seen a massive drop-off from 50.1 to 86.4. At the moment, they're expected to score one goal per game instead of one and a half which before, almost two even. So Potter will get it right, I feel. Again, this goes back to the Liverpool conversation. What do you think Liverpool, uh, Chelsea achieved this season? Top six, top eight? If they don't do top eight, Potter's gone. I mean, no matter how much long-term of a project it is. So will he sort it out in his attack? They have to be scoring one and a half, two goals a game if they have to get back up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, again, um, context, right? Um, you know, Pot- Potter came into Chelsea. So Chelsea had a managerial shift um, midway through, I think midway about um, through the first half of the season. Uh, United, same thing. And on top of that, you've had the you know, Ronaldo drama as well. Um, yep. One thing I, I do want to say is Crystal Palace has dropped off significantly. I know we're asking, you know, you might be wondering why I'm bringing them up because uh, for a significant period of time, we had Zaha and kind of oh, his points didn't come out and then it came out in one random week. Uh, but also Crystal Palace come come straight off the bat with two very solid fixtures in Fulham and Portmouth um, in, in 17-18 for those who might just don't go there. Exactly. No, I, I agree. They do have good fixtures. But yeah, you, 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 you make a good point on Ronaldo. So I forgot to mention that. Without Ronaldo, the attack will be a lot more fluid. So do expect Man United to improve. I expect Chelsea, Man United and Liverpool to improve in these numbers. That's the idea of showing this. That the real teams that you can expect based on a season-long data shows that the te- these teams have to improve. So get it out of your head that Chelsea are rubbish, Liverpool are rubbish. They may struggle initially or they may actually f- fly from the season because that's what they have shown to us over longer term data. So and also as I mentioned that. the Zaha part pros um I noticed FPL Zaha is in the chat so I know he's a he's a keen listener every week so apologies uh, FPL Zaha um I'm sure he'll I, I see a lot of people actually it's time to uh, shout them out. I mean yeah, I yeah. I saw uh, I saw Ryan from FPL Chatbox, I saw Peter, I see FPL Ro- Peter from FPL team. A lot of us will be making our teams on FPL team because uh Obviously, don't oh, make that transfers. The, the Peter from FPL team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nice. Um, I see. I see Varun, who's always here. Um, Varun Bawa. I see Craig. I see Francis. So lots of people in the chat, which is nice to see. Two hundred forty-six people listening. So yeah, not everyone is on a break. <laughs> yeah, good to see you guys. I, I also wonder where our listeners are based. Mostly, um, pretty spread out, right, between Asia and and should the be, UK. Should be. Yeah. I think the time of day makes it. Pretty much accessible to everyone. Maybe yeah. apart from the US guys. All okay. right, let's do XG Conceded and get out of here. Okay. So XG Conceded, again, the surprising one, Man City on top. They're actually worse, significantly worse compared to last season. So last season, Man City was this machine that was scoring two-odd game, uh, two-odd goals a game, and they were or two and a half goals a game, and they were not conceding for one and a half games if you see what I mean. So 137 minutes per goal conceded. So they took one and a half games to concede a goal. They have dropped off to 120, still the best in the league, but close to Arsenal. So the biggest improvement this season has been Arsenal defence. So this is my counterpoint to Arsenal attack, which was similar. Arsenal defence is elite this season. They're the second best, close to being the best. 
So when you're thinking about double ups, I see a lot of people going Saka Martinelli. Maybe think about Ramsdale and White or White and Gabriel. These are these are teams I haven't seen. But one would say, why spend on Cancelo when you can spend on White and Gabriel um, and, you know, maybe get City attack? So there's these are things that come out when you look at this data that Arsenal's attack, sorry, Arsenal's defense is very, very good. Mm. And the second defense that has had the biggest impact or the biggest change is Newcastle. Again, they've gone from 57.1, which is basically conceding a goal and a half a game, to 100 minutes per XG conceded, which is... That's awesome. You know, they take 100 minutes to concede a goal, which is amazing. What are your thoughts on these three? Yeah, so I think the City and Arsenal one is a very, very good example of how uh, you need to sort of at times be able to break your, I guess, prejudices. Because not, I don't know what the right word is. But for example, we always think of City as an elite defensive team, right? But let's think in FPL terms. The other day I was thinking about What's my third city asset? I've got Cancelo. I've got Holland. So does everybody else. So who's the third one? We are always thinking Foden. We're always thinking KDB. You know, we're thinking like I had freaking Bernardo Silva, which was crazy <laughs> for a punt. You know, there's Grealish, Mares. Like we won't go there anymore. So I was thinking like, hey, maybe big at the back is back. Robertson's on the table. Maybe I'm thinking about Laporte. Maybe I'm thinking of, you know, I had Ake at one point, um, Walker, all these guys. And then you realize their price points are 5.5, 6, um, and, and more expensive. Then you compare it to Arsenal, who's not only informed the season, but on this XGC chart, um, you know, ahead or very similar to City, a little bit behind City. But they have two assets in Ben White and, let's say, Gabriel that you can get for much cheaper at 4.4, 4.8, for example, from 5, 4.8, for example. So if you, you know, defensive double ups aren't dead, but. You know, if you're comparing these assets, you don't have to go uh, get a third city asset in a defensive uh, player when you can get the kind of same value for one million less at, at, as an Arsenal asset. Granted, we never know. We never know what's going to happen at the second part of the season. But it is a telling sign that Arsenal defense is elite this season. Same with And you know what? Mm-hmm. I think they will miss Jesus more in defense than in attack, which is such a weird thing to no, say. No, no. I get it. I get it. Yeah. They will not get the ball back as quickly, which means the opposition has it more. Actually, they will miss him in attack as well. I, that's unfair to say. But I, but they will miss Jesus in defense is basically mm. the point. In oh. Ketia is a little bit more... I mean, he works hard. This was yeah. the main attribute that Bielsa liked him in when he played for Leeds. So he works hard, but he's not Jesus. He doesn't create those chances. He doesn't press throughout 90 minutes. And then what happens when they have games midweek and you know thick and fast? If he gets tired, who else comes in there? Yeah. They have a lot to sort of plan. Maybe Smith Rowe comes on the left and Martinelli starts a few games up top. All of these options are there. So makes Arsenal slightly a little bit of an unknown, but I think you can't go wrong, at least doubling up on them and then you triple up uh, once the double comes in. So that's on Arsenal. Okay, then then quickly moving on, other things that have stood out. The only two again, Chelsea-Liverpool. Big drop-offs in their XG conceded. This is why big at the back hasn't worked out. The most expensive defenders are Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool. And Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool are the three teams here in our chart that have shown a 20 minutes per XG drop. That's a lot. So basically what you're saying is over three or four games, they concede one more goal or expected to concede one more goal. That's a lot. Mm. So that's the issue. And that basically means that Chelsea and Liverpool, they used to have about 68. Both are very similar, actually. They both used to have about 68. And... 
Um, last season, they used to have about 91 to 95. That's a big drop-off. So again, it goes back to your thinking, do you think that they will turn it around? Whether they will turn it out turn it around by scoring lots of goals, which in Liverpool's case might be the case. Maybe they start having more 3-1s and this new formation just let, blends itself to that. But in Chelsea's case, I don't see it. I think they have to be defence first at some point. I mean, Potter is a good manager. I mean, he's not a defence first like Tuchel, but he is a manager who thinks about possession, who thinks about keeping the ball a lot more. Therefore, they will they don't concede as many chances and that lends itself to a lower XG conceded. So that's basically what we wanted to highlight here. We will keep these two tables throughout. When we see a draft where, where somebody is doubled up on Chelsea defence, we will ask them, are you sure? Because their numbers are here basically sixth worst in the league. Are you do What do you believe Chelsea will finish as? And those are questions that you need to ask this early on. Yeah, I'd like to get this chart and compare it to 17 through 38 um, at the end of the season and and kind of maybe we can go back on this. I'll come back and listen to this episode and and see what we're thinking, and then you know see what happens at the mm-hmm. end, especially for teams like Chelsea, because I'm genuinely curious to see if Potter can turn it around. Right, I'm genuinely curious to see if Liverpool can get it back together and 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 you know how they react to the first half of the season. One team we didn't mention, Pross, is West Ham, and the reason I want to mention West Ham, I know FPL Rover just mentioned them, is that. Um, game week 17 through 20 week, 21 is five game weeks. And then, you know, 21 to 22 is a two week break. I think it's a international break. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, if you just look at the next five fixtures from 17 to 21, West Ham have a sea of green fixtures from 18 through 21. So four very, very solid fixtures. Um, and they're defensively gotten better, um, this season. So maybe, it, uh, you know, a Zuma or, or someone like a Cresswell might, be of interest to you guys but after a couple of drafts initial like quick drafts there's very limited um placeholders and spaces for any of these sort of outside top six teams because um the value for these players in the top six teams are so good that we can already fill probably 13 players with you know the top six teams so um you know just things to consider i think the two charts we presented are stuff will continue to sort of bring back but it's just a kind of a baseline uh, baseline sort of blank paper or just a little bit of information that you need to add context you need to add you know what's the storylines who's injured what are the fixtures coming up this and that so um hopefully this will, will will get us going for the next few few weeks totally totally i mean last words before before we we leave for me this te- this wild card for me is going to be the most different wild card that we've seen amongst all teams, uh, or all times, nice. because everything is open. Whether you go tr- premium, you can afford it. Whether you go two premiums, you can afford it. Whether that second premium is Salah, Kane, De Bruyne, all good options. Mm-hmm. Whether you go one premium, only Haaland, and want to go big at the back, and if you believe in this, that the data will change, all doable. If you wanted to go Foden instead of Cancelo as a three attack, doable. If you wanted to go Robertson instead of Cancelo, doable. If you wanted to go double Arsenal defence or double Newcastle defence, doable. West Ham defence, doable. All of this is backed by data. There is no optimum. So, I mean, there's always an optimum. Uh, so, I don't want the analytics FC to come after me. But there is there are lots of options and all of them are good options. So, there is if people come back with a template, I know always people do converge towards a template. They might be thinking, okay, everyone needs to have Salah because he's rested. I don't think everyone needs to have Salah this season or this 
from the beginning. Everyone needs to have De Bruyne because he's had a 20-day break. Well, you could have Edison and Cancelo. I don't think that's a bad option. You could have Foden instead of De Bruyne. So, so many options. Kulisevsky instead of Kane. I think people should be a little bit more open-minded. Don't look at other people's teams. Think about what you want to do. Look at the data first. This is why we're doing it in this sequence. And then come to your team. So we're not answering any questions on this player or this player right now. No, ex- That's where we wanted to leave it. Excellently summarized because one, there's no right answer here. Like a 3BM looks good. A 1BM looks good because in the midfield slots, we'll get to it. There's a bunch of 8.0 players that we want. And you can you can fill your midfield with those guys and have Robertson if you just have a Holland, for example. Maybe if you bring in Nunes, then you know you can't have all four 8.0 midfield assets. But there's very very different ways you can make this unlimited transfer work. I think it's yep. good to. I think I might be a little bit more aggressive with this one because I do know I have another one in the back pocket. Although that will probably come, you know, probably ten games plus down the line. So. Uh, interested to see where we get to before the deadline. Yep, indeed, man. It was good. What did we do? 45, 50 minutes? 44 minutes, so not bad. Awesome. Let's do it under 45. Excellent. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in on a World Cup weekend, and we'll be back next uh, Thursday. Um, So see you After the semifinal. Yep. Yep. All right, go England.